uh, we missed breaks for months, um, no time to use the bathroom, drink water. Uh, when there were emergencies in the emergency room, people had to abandon their patients to render care to those patients uh, in violation of Title 22 state staffing law. Um, and we are very concerned uh, about the response we've gotten or lack thereof um, from management um, in regards to the staffing issues that have arisen and the plan for fixing them. As a part of the grievance that we filed, uh, we made management aware that AHS is failing to comply with the new state law effective January 1st, SB 1334, uh, that has been private sector healthcare law for a long time and is in, designed to ensure safe staffing at hospitals that do not have it. It states that for every public sector healthcare worker in the state of California, if you miss a break, a 15 minute break or a 30 minute break, you are to be compensated one hour's wages. There is an exemption to this law for hospitals covered by collective bargaining agreements insofar as that collective bargaining agreement already provides for the same remedy. Our contract as SCA 1001 represented members does not provide for that remedy. I get paid $8.58 when I miss a 15 minute break. Uh, we are now uh, approaching the deadline for this step three grievance and we'll go to arbitration after that. I want to make sure this body is aware. If it does, there will likely have to be a class action lawsuit on our part to be made whole for the damages that we've been receiving and to ensure that AHS can staff the hospital safely. Uh, I'm not sure if the people in this group are aware that this has been going on or if the uh, managers we've been communicating with have communicated it to you, but we're just here to make sure you're aware of it. I think Kristen's going to speak a little bit about conditions have been like an ICU and why we take this so seriously. I do not feel that I can provide an adequate standard of care to my patients. I work here, not at Kaiser, not at John Muir, not at UCSF because I want to take care of people with nowhere else to go. Right now we're providing people subpar care. Um, it is totally inequitable. Um, and I feel I have an ethical responsibility uh, to make this group aware that right now we're failing our patients, we're failing our staff, people are leaving. Uh, we've lost a number of highly experienced, highly skilled nurses in the emergency room over the last several months who are fed up with sacrificing um, their personal lives, their pay, their safety at work, uh, and they're going to other hospitals. We cannot staff the county health system if we do not treat our staff and our patients uh, equitably and safely. Thank you for your time. Would you mind sharing your name for the public record? Yeah, Ari Mark Antonio. Okay, thank you so thank much. You. Uh, and I'm Kristen Pappen. I'm one of the ICU nurses here. Um, and similar to what Ari said, the ICU has also been experiencing extre extremely short staffing. Uh, we take care of the sickest patients in the hospital and we have pretty consistently not had any break nurses available to us. Uh, when we do have a break nurse, they almost assuredly get to take a patient assignment. Uh, we also staff a rapid nurse and a trauma nurse. Uh, the rapid nurse's responsibility is to go kind of throughout the tower and put out fires and make sure that patients who are kind of teetering on the edge can stay where they are so that they don't have to get upgraded in care. And we haven't been able to staff those roles, uh, which is really kind of a problem. Um, and because of that, we, we have had patients who have had emergencies, who have had codes upstairs and had to come back down to the ICU. And um, we've also been hemorrhaging experienced nurses. A lot of, a lot of our nurses have left for other hospitals uh, just because they aren't getting what they need from Highland been pretty upsetting to see. Thank, Thank you, you for, your, for taking the time and sharing your concerns with us. Thank you.
so with that, we'll move on to the consent agenda. Uh, trustees, do we have items from the consent agenda that need to be pulled for discussion? So I'll, I'll move that we approve the consent agenda. Second. Could you take a vote? Yes. Trustee Banerjee. Aye. Uh, Trustee Esteem. Aye. And Trustee Sain. Aye. The motion passes. Okay. Uh, with that, we're going to move on then to our medical staff report. So I'm going to begin with Dr. Lee. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. Um, I will start with our MEC, the QPSC report from AHS. Um, during our meeting, um, the Alameda Health District board members did come to speak with us about their current financial and future seismic needs for Alameda Hospital. Uh, they summarized current ongoing discussions between AHS and the district board on the future of Alameda Hospital. Um, during this uh, community portion, we also discussed ongoing efforts um, by AHS and the AHMG in the recruitment efforts of interventional radiologists. Um, and this was discussed as part of our concern over the trauma program recertification in the upcoming year, 2024. Um, for quality, I will defer that toward the end of my report where I will introduce a guest uh, as part of my report. Uh, for staff and patient experience, um, an update on our department chair search committees. Uh, for emergency medicine, a contract has been presented and, and currently negotiated for the proposed chair candidate. Um, for orthopedic surgery, the MEC search committee proposed a candidate and we are waiting further news. Uh, for psychiatry, the job has been posted. They're working with the in-house recruiter to advertise it and they will also be reaching out to local psychiatry programs to spread the word. And there's also an ongoing search in the Department of Radiology and Imaging. Um, as part of our uh, patient experience, we also reviewed uh, hospital and doctor communication and likelihood of recommending scores for both San Leandro Hospital and the Roma Chan Highland Hospital. Though the likelihood of recommending scores are higher this month compared to past, they are still below goal. For sustainability, Dr. Beatty, our new interim chair of psychiatry, presented his report for a Department of Psychiatry. He presented on efforts to reduce assaults at John George through work with security, improved medication treatment, staff education, and better identification of patients at highest risk for violence. He also expressed a need for more statewide subacute treatment options for patients with TBI and other illnesses that predispose to chronic aggression. He also sees a need for transitional housing and crisis residential beds. Um, so I'm gonna move on to quality and I would like to introduce Dr. Brandon Besh, um, who would like to present um, as the Director of Hospitalist Medicine, um, the new physician pilot on Doc of the Day. Thank you, Dr. Besh. Thank you, Lana. I'm going to share my screen and uh, sorry for the delay. I just sent the slides to Rana so they'll be uploaded um, later. Um, thank you for having me. Um, I believe there was some discussion around throughput um, at the QPSC in July as well, and may, probably every last QPSC for the last few months. Um, but uh, what we did was I really want to kind of shout out kind of how this all started, which was Chitra Kilis Warren meeting with Indusu Ramanian and Charlotte Wills to really discuss 
um, what we can do to help with the border problem in the ED. So basically admitted patients who have orders for an inpatient bed and we are at capacity. And so they stay in the ED sometimes up to 40, 50 hours. Um, and so the physicians got together um, and put together this pilot to see if a physician, we titled it Doc of the Day or a system air traffic controller, um, would be able to help move patients to open beds in our system. So Highland, as we know, is always at capacity. San Leandro and Alameda tend to have uh, open beds um, that are available for patients. And so the hope was to move some of those patients and decrease crowding in the Highland Emergency Department. Uh, this is a busy slide, but it kind of tells you the physician leaders for the pilot. Um, and then we also partnered with Roe Lofton, uh, the VPs of nursing, and the VPs of the SATC at Highland, is, at, at AHS as well, um, in building the pilot and figuring out how to, how to increase staffing and really have a systemic view of, of our system. And I think, I think for me personally, this was really an opportunity to break down the silos in our system and really understand how things work um, for getting patient access to the inpatient units. Um, and then also from that is then access to the ED. So they're not in the waiting room. And so I think this is really the, what we were looking for from this pilot. Um, and, and I think it was a success. Um, and so, we did this over the last seven days. We're still evaluating the data. Um, and we were able to increase the transfers from Highland to San Leandro in just one week. Um, and I think the biggest piece for this was that, that I really enjoyed was I, I did it for two days. Annie Malik did it for two days. Lily Indelkar did it for two days. And Hannah Borneo did it for one day. And I think the, the thing we all commented on was working with the transfer center um, CJ, Stephen, Elka, um, the 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 um, uh, 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 the managers of 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 the bed capacity management. Um, we really enjoyed working with them, understanding those roles, and figuring out how we can communicate better, um, faster with the physicians taking care of the patient, and then back to the transfer center, and then to the physicians at the other uh, sites. And so that really really was well received by everyone that we were all working together uh, at that time. Um, I think that one of the biggest issues is the ability to staff these beds at the hospitals at San Leandro and Alameda. And it's just a few patients that we could get every day or in, in a few nurses that we need to kind of keep those beds at, at a higher census. Um, we have the physicians to take them at San Leandro and Alameda. Um, it's just making sure that that staffing is there. And I know we've talked with Roe and Dusty and Dana a lot about this, and there are many plans in place, and we look forward to partnering with them more on this national problem of, of nursing shortages. Um, and then there's no centralized bed control and patient prioritization by acuity. And by this, I mean that there's a lot of kind of siloed work around this, and it's done slightly differently from our, our experience. Um, at each place and kind of even day to day, depending on who's running it. And so I think there's a lot of work to be done to partner with the physicians, with bed control, with the transfer center and with nursing leaders around figuring out how we can make that uh, much more seamless. Um, and then I think 
that it also helped. We had two really great success stories from the from San Leandro. They're both cardiac cases that were transferred in, and they happened very quickly with the help of the doc of the day. And so I think that was a, a big success for um, for San Leandro patients as well. Overall, I think that the best part of this was the the, the collaboration. And I think we saw a lot of opportunity in our organization. And as we review the data, I think we're going to see we had more transfers. I think the ED borders are going to be slightly less. Um, I don't think it was as big of a number as we hoped for. But I think that with this and continued improvement in care management and physicians on the floor at Highland, we can slowly begin bringing those patient numbers down um, with, with this ongoing. So we'll have our formal recommendations to the executive team um, probably later this month or, or sometime in September. Uh, and with that, I'll stop sharing my screen and take any questions. Can you actually leave this screen up? Oh, that, sure. That second one? Sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, I, the, the second line, line B, where it says inadequate nurse staffing accounts for 80% of missed opportunities to transfer patients. And if we had just two additional RNs, we could have the number of ED borders at Highland Daily. That's an amazing statistic. And considering the, the public comment we heard a moment ago, uh, I wonder if we could bring in two additional staff to have the number of ED borders or to even you know meet the current need. I, I just think it's important to wait for the data to come in. Absolutely. This this it's really I think a little premature to be talking about the data around staffing and anything else. I mean I get those reports every day and I see what the barriers are and it's a lot more than staffing. So I just think it's important to wait for the data for sure. Are the reports that you're looking at that indicate it's more than staffing being taken into consideration here? Is there enough collaboration? I don't know, the, I don't know what Brandon data he's, he's quoting. I'm, I'm not sure. Brandon, do you get the daily transfer reports? Yeah. And so we've been collecting that data manually. Um, Tenna Borneo has for the last six months. And our average ED borders for the last six months is around 21 patients at 8 a.m. every day when that report goes out. So our, our ask for this pilot was to have um, four, five to seven extra nurses each day to account for those 21 patients. Um, and, and then um, there were a lot of staffing issues during this week. Um, but uh, when we did have that extra nurse, then we were able to move some of those patients out and so one nurse can equal four or five patients. So that's why two additional RNs actually has a huge impact on us being able to move those patients. So really what we're looking at here is that of the 21 patients that are always boarding in our ED for the last six months, 60% of them are eligible for transfer. So that works out to roughly 12 patients and we were able to transfer six patients a day. And so with an extra nurse, we could have probably transferred another five or six each day. So that's and where Dr. that data Bartlesh, comes from. Uh, thank yeah. you. Do you see, like, were you seeing that transfer and some of those, like, are from the physician point of view, what were some pain points did you see in your sphere of influence? Is it like on the evenings, weekends, when you don't have less, 
attendings like uh, discharge or you know transfer orders do you did you see stuff that was happening within like where um, you know physician related uh, some of the system issues were too how what, what surfaced for you all uh, yeah so i think i think that the doc of the day really assisted in talking with the physicians on the floor around getting these transfers done and ordered um, so I think it, it did speed up that process of being in contact with the physicians. Um, I think the other piece is that we were in constant communication with the physicians at San Leandro and Alameda. And so it helped speed up those communications. I think that there is a, is a discharge problem at, a, at Highland. I mean, right, everyone knows that. That was not in the scope of this pilot. It was to really see if we could utilize the licensed beds that we have across the system to move patients to the appropriate care because we are a system. And so I think that that a lot of the physician stuff was communication. Mm -hmm. um, uh, every morning we came in as doc of the day and there were no transfer beds available. Um, we started at 7 a.m. And by 10 a.m. we would usually see maybe one or two open up. And then as discharge came later in the day, a few more would open up. So. I, I think that there's a there's a lot of complicated pieces to all of the things being done, but each morning there were not a lot of open beds to transfer patients to. Thank you. Uh, I have one question about transportation and how that might impact these transfers, these potential transfers. You know, uh, we we know that there's an issue around EMS transport and transport times and wait times. Do you think that that could also impact this projection? Yeah, I think I think that there are delays in transfers, and um, and the transfers are, are not. We, we, there's work for us to do on getting the transfers done quicker, um, for sure. And so the, we have. I mean, I haven't looked at every single transfer uh, time, and there's certainly outliers that went that took a couple of days to be transferred. And then there are some that transferred within three hours. So ultimately, you know, the, the transfer time, we will have that data, but it's probably gonna be somewhere around decision that the patient could transfer to when they actually get there is gonna be somewhere around six or seven hours on average. Well, I, I had two uh, observations that I just wanted to share. One is that it's, um, it's hardening to see you know, medical staff kind of digging into challenges that are broader and operational. I, I understand that that's Mark's bailiwick, but I think it's great that we can work together and identify opportunities uh, to utilize the system better. And that leads me to my other thought as a card carrying member of the Alpena Healthcare District, it's nice to know that we can perhaps contribute more to the success you know, of dealing with this challenging problem. Any more uh, or can we continue? I, I think, um seeing the names of the folks over there yeah, i would love to see the names of san leandro and alameda hospital ed physicians who have been such partners in this process as well so this pilot involves the interface interaction communication transfer of all of all of those folks so if we had some names about who have been your uh, you know peers and supporters and co-conspirators on those and to like it would be nice to have those names become visible as well. Trustee, um, just one last comment. I agree with you. I, 
I'm really pleased to see our position leaders leading like yeah. this. I think it's really, really important. And you know, the beauty of pilots is that you learn, and the outcomes and the metrics may not be exactly what we had hoped for yet, but it gives us line of sight to the problem so we can work on it. And that's the beauty of this. Yeah. So I really appreciate Dr. Bash and you know the position leaders taking the hands. Excellent. Yeah, really great. Dr. Lee, do you have more for us? No, that's it. Thank you so much for listening and uh, you know considering this. Okay. With that, can we move on to Dr. Sally Sandro? Hi, good evening all. Thank you uh, for having me. Uh, San Leandro Leadership Committee met on August uh, 1st uh, for our quarterly meeting uh, and discussed the ongoing discussion regarding surgical cases and expansion at San Leandro, including uh, uh, ortho's elective blocks moving to San Leandro uh, from Alameda and uh, pain medicine moving over to Alameda. Uh, we have expanded uh, from two to three anesthesia-supported uh, blocks at San Leandro and looking forward to GYN's elective block uh, moving to San Leandro sometime in September, hopefully. Uh, we also uh, heard from Dr. Laura Lang regarding the POET clinic, uh, which is the anesthesia pre-op clinic to ensure patients are ready and cleared for uh, procedures. Um, and uh, related to that was uh, a new uh, protocol for uh, hemodialysis uh, pre-op evaluations for patients who have missed dialysis but need uh, procedures such as a, a declot of the fistula uh, who now have a modified uh, workflow and getting cleared for uh, uh, for the OR. Um, so those were all positive uh, discussions uh, and uh, that was followed with by the um, patient and uh, staff experience, TNM dashboard uh, that's specific to San Leandro was presented by Ana Torres. I think the focused uh, discussion regarding the work that San Leandro is doing, uh, that was followed by the care experience uh, report given by Dr. Angela Ng. And as Dr. Lee mentioned earlier, uh, there's been some improvement in the top score uh, performance uh, specifically for San Leandro, which has jumped about 10%, but there's still uh, room for improvement there. And we will continue to bring focus to that uh, at this uh, committee so that um, uh, you know, we, we know the areas that we need to improve on. On the community uh, front, uh, we welcome uh, Trudy Grief, the new perioperative manager. Uh, and acknowledged uh, one of our med surge floor uh, charge nurses, uh, Irene Fernandez, who received the DAISY Award. Uh, and lastly, this week, we welcomed the launch of the system-wide uh, GI services that expanded to San Leandro. Uh, and we thank Dr. Vin Sani, uh, who previously provided uh, GI call coverage for San Leandro for the past 20 years. Uh, he will remain on staff at San Leandro, but will no longer be actively taking call. Um, and with that, I end my report and any questions are welcome. Thank you, trustees, do you have any questions? Um, comment, uh, you know, congratulations on the all the greens mm -hmm. on the uh, TNM because, you know, we do see a lot of reds, but then when you go by facility, um, just the fact of uh, San Leandro hospitals. So it's teamwork and it's collective. Um, and then secondly, I know that the San Leandro 
um, hospital family has lost staff in the last month. And so just our deepest condolences to if uh, we are having, uh, must, it, it is, must be devastating for uh, all of the staff. Uh, just know that you know, we, uh, our deepest condolences. Thank you, Trustee Banerjee, one of those hit closest to home in the emergency department. I appreciate the comments. Further questions or observations? Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to move on to Alameda then with Dr. Joshi. Hi, thank you everyone for the opportunity to give my report tonight. Um, I want to highlight that under community, just like Dr. Lee had mentioned in her report, we were glad for the opportunity to have the Alameda Hospital District Board give a presentation to AHS. Uh, we at Alameda Hospital have been in close communication and we've been invited and have a seat at the table at these important meetings, but we had felt that um, the AHS med staff wasn't always as aware. So this was a really great presentation and opportunity and there's really good dialogue and questions that were asked at that time. Um, also want to highlight under sustainability that we continue to work on our HVAC um, process and situation at Alameda Hospital. We had a meeting a few weeks ago where that Mario Harding um, went over um, and brought together many of the hospital leaders to get an understanding of what could the impact be if the HVAC and chiller system was impacted. And we talked that it's interesting, temperature ranges vary what is the range for OR, what is the range for patient care, range for machines in the laboratory are different. And so, you know, some of the things that we talked about were making sure that we understood at a high level, uh, what could the impact be? Because it was clear it would be different in each of these different areas of the hospital. So more to come on that. Um, I'm looking for the next follow-up meeting for that. And that is the extent of my report for now. And I'm happy to answer any questions. Trustees, do we have questions? Comments? Thank you, Dr. It was uh, pretty warm in Alameda today. I, I hope we rode that one out. So far, so good. <laughs> good. Happy to hear that. Okay, well, with that, uh, thank you all for the reports of very encouraging news there. We're going to move on to our regulatory affairs quality reports uh, with. So, Anna, it's off today on PTO. So, we are going to have the regulatory affairs report from Milda Prez and then TNM from Annette Johnson. We'll be coming back in September with our usual patient safety report, but we're trying to put together a year end you know, summary of, of patient safety. So, with that, Milda, I'll pass it to you. Hi, can everyone hear me? I just want to check on the audio. Yes, we, we got can. you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to do a brief report. Um, so, um, I'm here to present the regulatory affair update. Excuse me, I don't know why my computer is doing something funky. Okay, so here's a summary of activities. We self-reported three events to the California Department uh, of Public Health in July. We had no Sentinel events reported to the Joint Commission in July. We had no complaints received from the Joint Commission in July, and those are always positive moments. Um, there was one on-site regulatory visit, and that was the CMS and TALA survey. Um, that included both Highland and San Leandro hospitals. Uh, we're still um, awaiting the resolution of that whole um, encounter and event. Um, more to come on a future report. 
Um, but I do want to give an update on the unannounced triennial survey that we had in April for the core. As you know, we had surveyors that came to Highland Hospital, San Leandro Hospital, John George, and the Fairmont campuses. And they looked at our programs under both the hospital and the behavioral health care standards. Uh, we had to submit plans of correction in July. And those plans of corrections were accepted and the Joint Commission has fully accredited us for the next uh, triennial cycle and has recommended um, our continued certification with CMS. So we received that official notice just recently and we're very happy because that does represent a lot of work of many individuals and the support of this board. So thank you. Um, I also wanna talk uh, and brag about our laboratory accreditation survey that we had at San Leandro Hospital. We had that survey um, that actually happened in June and then we had to submit our plans of correction in July, in August, excuse me. And the Joint Commission notified us just a few days ago that the action plans were accepted and we are accredited for another 24 month cycle. So that again, uh, uh, kudos to the lab team. And it was a very good survey with only a small number of, of limited findings but it did represent a lot of work across many departments and again, a lot of collaboration. So uh, again, thank you um, to the support of the board and all the members here. Always happy to share good news. Um, again, again, a lot of um, high intention. I will say sometimes high effort as well um, and uh, a direction, skillful execution and wise choice of many alternatives um, rolling up into a quality outcome. So very pleased to share that. And, Please let me know if you have any questions, but I just want to thank you for an opportunity to report out. Congratulations on the degree certification and reaccreditation. Congratulations. And I will hand off to Annette Johnson, my colleague, to do the True North Metric dashboard. Thank you so much, Nelda. Appreciate it. So I'm going to talk about the True North Metric dashboard. This is results through May. We're getting close to the end of the fiscal year. So for harm, we're averaging 71.6 events per month. Our goal was to be at 65 or fewer. So we're a little bit higher than we wanted to be. Um, the, the largest uh, cause for harm events is falls, with 80% of, of our events being falls. The nice part about that the silver lining is that this is also the area where we see the least amount of harm. In fact, there was no uh, falls with injury in May. So um, to address falls the, across the organization, we've really been exploring mobility, uh, mobility assessment, and, and encouraging our patients to be mobile when it's safe. So whether that's setting them up in a chair at uh, mealtime or uh, working with them to uh, increase their ability to walk around. Um, th that's a major focus. The other area that we're really they're really working on is hourly rounding, which, um, when conducted appropriately, uh, helps to make sure that items are within the patient's reach and also make sure that they are are offered assistance with toileting, reducing the need for them to leave the bed um, unsupervised and potentially fall. This also helps us with happy, which is our second most common harm event type. Um, to those ends, uh, we've also been able to implement a telesitter to help uh, with fall prevention, which has freed up CNAs to, to further help us with uh, reduce happy uh, with increased turning and the ability to assist with dressing changes. Um, the other area of uh, slightly less of number of events, but maybe a little bit more severe are hospital acquired infections. And the three areas of focus there are CLAPSI, CAUTI, and SSI. We're actively working when it comes to CLAPSIs and CAUTIs on device maintenance. 
making sure that when those devices are in, that we are following the best practice prevention bundles to keep those devices sterile and not introduce infections to our patients, as well as looking at utilization. And so actively having multidisciplinary rounds, which involve both RN physicians and our infection prevention team to really look at, are those lines necessary? And if they're not necessary to remove them, because when we get those lines out, we, we, there's no chance for an infection to occur. And then lastly, when we talk about SSI, we're really looking at, we're looking at implementing a performance improvement team there with a real big focus on our colon cases, which is our most common type of surgical, our most common case that results in surgical site infection. Really looking at um, skin sterilization uh, prior to surgery, as well as looking at antibiotic uh, prophylaxis to prevent infection post-surgery. We're gonna move on now to hand hygiene. This is our, a great success story. You can see that that line is clearly improving and we got to over 90% in May and that line continues to grow up and both preliminary data shows us for both June and July that that number is going up, uh, for, which is impressive because I have, uh, we have uh, also implemented some secret choppers to help us balance our auditing. So even with the introduction of those secret choppers, we're still seeing improve, improving compliance to hand hygiene. When we look at our um, ambulatory metrics, this is sort of the area that presents some challenges. We are not on target for three for any of our uh, access metrics related to ambulatory care. Um, and, uh, but we do have a bright spot with our specialty um, uh, specialty backlog. They uh, in April they did a cleanup to remove any duplicates and to return any surveys that were or referrals that were non-responsive. So this has dropped our uh, referral to backlog by over a thousand referrals a month. And it really helps us get a real gauge on the true demand for services. So it's a, a, a nice improvement that we're seeing there. We're gonna move on to readmissions. Our 30 day readmissions, it's like heartbreakingly close to goal. We are less than two tenths of a percent from our target. And this is a metric that has been improving um, the previous the previous three fiscal years. So it is impressive that we can that we are so close to goal and we continue to improve. When we look for bright spots here, San Leandro is our bright spot with a readmission rate fiscal year to date less than nine percent, which I think is fantastic. And then when we the, when we look for areas of opportunity, Alameda is our area of opportunity here with a readmission rate of close to 14% at 13.8. Um, and this is primarily due to the older demographic that at Alameda and the fact that many of them are discharged to SNF and they return in 30 days, which has been um, that's some of the strategies we were using for as far as physicians following up post-discharge with our SNF providers, we're sort of inhibited by the COVID pandemic, which made it not possible for our doctors to go over to those SNF units. So it would be interesting to see what happens now that we're on the other side of the pandemic. When we look at um, adult health maintenance, initially, this is sort of the metric that kind of took me on a wild ride. Initially during the fiscal year, it was on the increase. It was steadily and stably increasing. However, we got to the midpoint of the year and that metric started to turn around and we were we were losing all the, the ground we gained. And then in the last two months of the fiscal year, it's rallied and it's turning back around and it's going up again. So the end result is that when you look at it from fiscal year 22 to fiscal year 23, it's sort of uh, a net, it's exactly the same, neither improved, neither improved nor decreased. So um, 
it'll be interesting to see what we do in the next fiscal year. Um, when we talk about ED wait times, I don't think given the discussions earlier in this meeting, this is a surprise to anyone, but our ED wait times are higher than our goal by about approximately two hours. We did see some improvement in April and May with San Leander and Alameda coming very close to achieving their uh, um, this decision to admit uh, to inpatient bed times. We know that there are there are efforts underway, including the um, Doc of the Day pilot that Dr. Besh just spoke about. Um, lastly, when we talk about patient experience with our HCAPs, we had it, we got kind of off to a slow start at the beginning of the fiscal year, but again, at the end, we're really starting to see um, pay, uh, performance improve and rally. So unfortunately, it means that we we do get a base, we get a fiscal year to date rate that's lower than our previous fiscal year. But I do see in our more recent months some really strong performance, and I do see that continuing in June and July. So it's a it's a promising start with more to come. And a lot of this again is going back to the um, idea that we're hardwiring hourly rounding. Not only are we making sure that our staff are doing their hourly rounding, but they're really looking at is that interaction really meaningful? Or is that hourly rounding really giving them a chance to connect with the patients and address their concerns and their fears, as well as following up with leader rounding and um, working on things like whiteboards so that patients know what they're waiting for and what to expect. Um, and then when we take a look at our likelihood to recommend, which this is a composite metric that looks at all service lines that we survey for, so that's ED, outpatient surgery, inpatient, inpatient rehab, behavioral health, that has the survey question of would you recommend AHS? We are seeing some really strong performance. This is the metric that has been improving throughout the fiscal year and has resulted in a net improvement of three absolute percentage points, which is pretty significant when we talk to our Prescani partners. They say it is difficult that the best organizations see approximately a 3% improvement in a year. So this is a, a great improvement for us. And it goes to um, some of the efforts where we've expanded our hourly rounding into the EDs, into ambulatory surgery, and really looking at orienting our patients when they arrive in our facilities, making sure our signage is clear, and making sure that our ED um, waiting rooms are friendly and inviting and comfortable. So we're seeing some real performance improvement there. Um, and that is the rundown of the Truman metrics. Are there any questions? Thank you, Annette, the nuance and knowing how close we are to so many of them and the, um, that that's really helpful. Um, Doctor, I had a question for Dr. Jonathan. The primary care, you know, it, it improved and then is there, are there, are you able to kind of um, see what might be some of the reasons for that, like the uh, access? Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head, but that's something I think that we're happy to bring that to that to talk more about what is causing those kind of fluctuations and the improvements and whatnot. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I was, um, Annette, I was wondering about the, uh, you know, the third to next available in the primary, um, some of that did then what might be some of the I do think that some of it has to do with, um, the, the availability of physicians having enough physicians. And then I think um, we, when physicians go out on leave or um, on vacation, that can really affect the TNNA. Um, 
then and sort of increase the wait times for appointments. And with all the recruitment that the, that's needed over there, because there's a lot. Of, I think that there's there's reasons to that. You know, we'd be happy to bring back. I know we had talked about access a, a number of months ago, and we'd be happy to bring some more information back about what we're doing. Thank you. I was curious about the this. Um, and maybe I should know this. The data on adult health maintenance is this information about people that we see that are in the community in primary care settings? So, sort of like yeah. what health is So, this is um, for those patients that are assigned to us through assigned Medi-Cal. Um, are they receiving their preventative health care screening? So, their tobacco screening, their cancer screening, sort of like colon and breast cancer. Um, are they getting vaccinations like flu? So we're looking at those things and making sure we're giving them their preventative care. That's what that is looking at. Thank you very much. It's, it's encouraging that we're moving in the right direction. I think that um, maybe the movement isn't as fast as it could be, but going in the right direction is really important. Uh, so with that, I guess we'll move on to uh, post acute or your health treatment time. Good evening, everyone. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me back. Um, I think this time last month, we were in the middle of our CMS annual survey at Fairmont. So I'll be happy to share some of that with you uh, in this report. Uh, again, uh, our Alameda sites, uh, the three um, post-acute sites continue with their uh, five-star quality measure ratings for the over 35 different um, metrics that are monitored for that, the same with our Fairmont campus. So they continue uh, at much above average. Uh, in terms of CDPH visits, we had five visits uh, in July, one at Fairmont, one at South Shore, three at Park Bridge, all resulted in no findings. We also had two complaint visits at Park Bridge and both of those resulted in no findings. So 100% no findings from CMS and CDPH visits in July. Um, we did have in, in my last report one uh, deficiency that was pending and we received that for Park Bridge. It was for a uh, missed medication. Uh, and so we did a plan of correction, which was submitted. The audits and training um, was put in place and the plan of correction had already been uh, uh, approved uh, and accepted by CDPH and CMS. It was a, um, a medication that was delivered late. So the medication was late. Uh, now to the exciting news. Uh, we had our annual uh, CMS CDPH survey, uh, 724 through 728. I'll note the last survey was uh, in September of 2019 and CMS stopped to their surveys because of COVID. <clears throat> and so there was about a, a little more than a three year gap since our last survey, which the law used to say it needed to happen between nine and 15 months from the last survey. So this was much later than we had uh, expected. There were four surveyors that were in the building for five days. The annual survey resulted in three minor deficiencies. Um, the California state average is 16 deficiencies per facility. So Fairmont did 82% better than the state average. So that team really, with our other SNF teams are leading the way in terms of regulatory adherence, compliance, um, and resident satisfaction and resident councils. It's, it was phenomenal work and collaboration from the team. 
Uh, they have very solid daily processes from their pharmacy to EVS to engineering to dietary to nursing to CNA to registration and the attention to detail in that facility and all of the post-acutes is remarkable. Um, you know, some of the things that lead to our culture is that the residents and the families are at the center of our care. Everything that we do, the resident is at the center and we go from there, right? We do what's right always with integrity um, and ensuring that we're raising the standard that the CMS and CDPH regulations to us are kind of the ground floor. You know, that's the minimum expectation, but we wanna do better than that, right? We wanna be leaders in the industry. Um, and not seen as average. Um, there's a very strong culture of trust with the staff and the families and the residents of empathy and proactiveness. Um, and then we have SMART as part of our culture. We do SMART training, which is survey management and readiness training. And, and this is not only in preparation for survey, but this is a way of life for us in the SNPs that every day, we need to be prepared, that we need to be doing the right thing, being proactive, making sure that we're teaching the regulations and teaching what the intent of the regulations are. So people understand when they're rounding what the intent is. And so by having that smart culture, it lends to those visits that we have so frequently because we do a lot of self-reporting resulting in no findings because the teams have that embedded in the culture of the work that we do every day. Uh, we had uh, a big barbecue celebration on 8-11 for the team uh, for doing so phenomenally well. Uh, last evening, we received the email. Um, the plan of correction was submitted on Friday evening last week. Uh, and last night at 5.20, we received the approval. Um, so really within two working days, our plan of correction was accepted. Um, so just a real remarkable effort from that team. Along with the annual survey, right after that is our life safety survey. Another survey team comes, uh, usually a surveyor of one. Uh, they found six deficiencies were very minor, including of uh, a fire extinguisher facing the wrong direction. They want, they want the path to be on the outside. So we'll, we'll, we'll take those little deficiencies. Um, we received six, the California state average is 7.4. We did 19% better than the state average. Again, um, sharing the regulations with our engineering teams, our EBS teams, our clinical teams in terms of uh, preventative maintenance and management of the facility from an engineering perspective. So we help train um, and monitor the regulatory processes of that for the post-acute. And the same thing, smart training, making sure the fire drills are being done consistently and timely, the hood inspections are being done in the kitchens every six months, um, you know, the backflows for the sprinkler system, just making sure we're on top of that and ahead of the testing and not missing those. Um, based on the two survey outcomes, um, you know, I, Fairmont has been at four stars. Uh, since December and, and largely because of the health inspection. And now uh, I believe it may reflect this month, might be a little too soon, but next month for sure in every CMS category, Fairmont will be five stars, um, which is pretty remarkable. And so um, the one thing that we you know, share is that um, we are competing with um, private institutions that may have lots of money and may have different populations, but we're able to do and compete and lead the way um, 
in the same market, same regulations. Uh, and so just really um, proud of the teams and um, just inspired by the work that they do every day. So thanks for letting me share that. Thanks very much. That's very positive news. I'm very happy to hear about the survey. Other questions or observations? Yes. Yep. If I may, I, I just, I would add that the degree of difficulty that Richard just kind of described is compounded by the fact that Fairmont, and I think you've all been there, it's, you know, it's a challenging facility physically. And um, to be able to have that kind of an outcome, given the, the physical plant that they're working with, um, I, just, I think it's extraordinary. And Richard is effusive in his praise for his team, and I just want to be equally effusive with praise for him in his leadership. So, thank you. I'd second that, James, really. And I mean, there have been a lot of like facility related problems and patients have to be shifted from one to the other and through it all, like to make this seamless and to center the patients through it all. It's just remarkable team effort and exemplary leadership. So, you know, huge props to your team and to you. I agree. I just say one thing, you know, Richard and his leadership team and their programs have reached a level of sustainability that the rest of the organizations strive for, frankly. I mean, year in and year out, month after month, regardless of whether they're moving paces from South Shore to another, I mean, the outcomes are always so good. So um, I just really appreciate the team he has assembled, the staff that are there, and then Richard's leadership on top of that. I recall when we rolled out the five-star stuff, it was under Bush Jr. Um, speaking at a conference in Arizona, I think it was National Conference they sent to speak at. And what I heard was, if your facility is more than a couple of years old, it's impossible to get five-star. Mm -hmm. They felt that the thing, and I personally was a little negative on all these star programs because they don't take into account the nuance. But the reality is that they're there. And so you have a game and the game has rules. And to be able to accept that and deal with the fact that there's these challenges and just, and, and just winning, <laughs> you know, it's, it is pretty remarkable. We're really, really fortunate to have you in the great team. And I think, uh, I mean, every month we come, the number of surveys you have is just another. <laughs> like, I know what happens in the acute med search, but this is awesome. just off the chart. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. to be able to be ready and to be able to have that, just the pride that your team feels in being this good is so evident. That's a good thing to see. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Okay, moving on uh, to planning and calendar issues. We have no uh, submitted items for that. So we'll be here uh, next month planning. Uh, so we can move on from that and move on to our, our closed session. Mary, did before we oh, go to yes. closed, Dr. Andrew Wu is on the call here. She's our new ACML uh, pilot. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, Dr. Wu, if you're able to come on screen mm -hmm. just to show uh, all of you. We're so lucky to have uh, Dr. Wu. Um, this is what week two, I believe. Um, uh, and um, uh, an emergency medicine physician, many years of um, leadership experience in operations and in quality, um, and comes to us from Harvard UCLA. So, Dr. Wu, so excited to have you here. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, welcome, Dr. Wu. I had the 
uh, pleasure of having a one-on-one -on -one with uh, with Dr. Wu just this week, and it's just we are thrilled that you chose our AHS. We need your leadership. Thank you. If I may, I, I would agree, and I had the pleasure of also meeting with Dr. Wu, and it was just exciting to hear how she is boots on the ground, already actively involved, and then um, rounding last week, I saw the the doc of the day pilot. And so I walked with Dr. Subramanian and Dr. Bash and others through the ED and Dr. Wu was there, um, kind of in the in the midst of it, really helping untangle and helping devise solutions. And so I'm just so grateful for how she has really just dove right in and is being so um, integral to getting this work done. That will go to close. Thank you. Uh, Trustee Sign, the board will now, the quality committee of the board will now go into closed session to consider the items of state of the agenda. The quality committee of the board met in closed session and approved the medical staff report. There were no other reportable actions taken. Chair Sign. So our meeting of August 23rd is concluded. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.